0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the dangerous new street drugs. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers, and you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both radio and TV, free of charge on Lisa Evers. Com. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on dangerous new street drugs. From K2 to fentanyl, the overdose rate in New York City is on track to set a record high. Why is this happening and what is going on? And it's not just in New York City, it's happening in many other communities around the country as well. James Hunt, the head of the DEA New York Field Division, told me that our region is more flooded with illegal drugs now than ever before, that they are seeing 10 times the amount of drugs coming into the area as they did just 10 years ago. Why is this happening? What can be done about it? Is enough being done about it? Let's find out what our panel has to say. Joining me is Henry Morero. He's a former police lieutenant with the North Bergen Police Department. Henry, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Melissa Moore. She's the Deputy State Director for New York for the Drug Policy Alliance. Melissa, thanks for being with us. Great to
1: be here. Today. We appreciate
0: it. Also with us is Dr. Robert Glatter. He's an emergency room doctor and Dr. Glatter I want to start with you because many of us have seen the videos on the news and also on social media of people under the influence of K2 and it looks horrible what are you seeing?
2: Well Lisa thanks again for having me. It is horrible and we're on the front lines and what we're seeing is not ending. Um, K2 and spice are synthetic cannabinoids and it's synthetic pot it's not like the traditional pot the THC that we hear about. Normally THC which is the active ingredient in marijuana cannabis makes us mellow, it makes us relaxed. But the K2 and the spice, the synthetic uh, types of cannabinoids make us anxious, almost psychotic. And it takes people out of their normal state of consciousness and causes so many problems uh, medically including elevated heart rates, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, uh, stroke-like symptoms, can even lead to kidney failure. So it's really an unknown. These synthetic uh, materials are synthesized in the lab and often what happens is that it's sort of a hodgepodge. It's people just kind of figure out what they can put on these, uh, basically these leaves, these dried leaves uh, that would induce which are a ho- not these are not marijuana, right? Right. This is not marijuana. Right. And Even then, though they market it that way. That's right. And see what, in other words, what they can promote to the public and sell. Um, it's like playing Russian roulette. You don't know what you get every time a batch is made. And you're really playing with your life. Um, you know, I would say in the last six months, we continue to see, uh, you know, uh, clusters of this uh, among homeless people, even teens, people in their 20s, 30s, and they're experimenting. They just haven't gotten the message out or understand the message that how dangerous this substance is.
0: Henry, the um, at, you know, wearing your police lieutenant uh, <coughs> hat here, the, the head of the DEA said to me that with the a with the K2, as Dr. Gladder said, he goes, they're basically taking any kind of plants or leaves that they can. It, they're getting sprayed with all sorts of different chemicals. It's whatever people want to put in it, basically. And that the idea is to make it marketable and palatable to a new generation. So they're actually building their base. But what, what have you seen with that?
3: well what, what we were talking about before was in the back we, we had a conversation regarding the packaging the packaging of it basically it's it's very nice it's very shiny it has a very nice name and it attracts the younger generation of people uh, it's n- nothing natural about it obviously with the with, with the you know Basically, the pesticide could be anything. Right. They're even talking about rat poison being mixed Was in found with in the, some of them, right? And, and some of them, so you don't know, like he said, what batch you're getting. So my point of view is this: you have to come back, you got to go into those areas, into those communities, and go into those bodegas that are selling it because they're selling it as incense and potpourri. Right, and it says and not
0: for human consumption, for but, human but the consumption. package <laughs> has. We saw one package that had like Scooby-Doo on it. Scooby-Doo, so that, yeah. Uh,
3: we were talking about the names. There's over 600 names. There's 150 uh, synthetic type of uh, chemicals that you could put on this. So, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty pretty dangerous at and this point over- in time. You don't even know what you're, what you're taking You don't know what you're getting, basically. Exactly. Every <laughs> batch is different. Melissa, what you just what
2: mentioned, you- I'm sorry, oh, but rat poison is what we're seeing. Where people are coming in with bleeding uh, from their nose, bleeds in the brain. Uh, these are life-threatening episodes of bleeding that people, you know, don't even realize that they could be experiencing. The reason the manufacturers use this is they think it's going to prolong the action of the synthetic cannabinoids so that's why they add it to these mixtures when they're make manufacturing these batches so it's really like uh, an incredibly dangerous uh, proposition.
0: Melissa, your organization yeah. you focus on a lot of the policies, a lot of the laws, a lot of what is there anything with what's going on legally or in terms of our drug laws that's affecting why we're seeing so much of the K2 cuz a lot of it has Absolutely. been sold right out of legal quote-unquote legal delis and stores and you know neighborhood corner stores and convenience stores.
1: Right. And I think it goes back to what you said in the opener about just how ineffective the war on drugs has been ultimately and prohibitionist policies are part of what has brought us to this situation now, where originally some of the early formulations were pulled from research patents, where researchers were actually trying to get at what could mimic the actual effects of, of real THC and of natural THC, and at this point, those substances have been banned, but it's sort of a game of whack-a-mole where the iron law of prohibition takes over and people just evolve the substances and switch to different formulations, and that's part of what we see with the bad batches that the doctor mentioned, is there might be a formulation that causes an acute response for people within different bodily symptoms. Um, And there isn't enough safety information, there isn't enough testing, because it's on the illicit market. When you push something to the shadows, there's no way to actually regulate it or control what people are getting or receiving. But here's the
0: the thing, and and all of you know this, and the the drugs, when they're banned, they have to, according to the law, to be banned by law, they have to have a, a certain uh, specific A chemical, chemical composition, composition. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. and what's been happening with k2 according to law enforcement that i've been talking to they they say that there's so many different they it only became illegal july i think july of this you know of this year or so from 2015 it was mm-hmm. two years ago okay so the da gave me the wrong information <laughs> but thank you um so it's recently Ill- illegal but it's, all, it's only certain combinations are illegal Henry. right so not all of it. it's, it's hard for them to yeah. so as soon as one is banned they <laughs> then can you get re- to the next configure. one that's why i
3: said there's over 600 names there's of 150 yeah. types of synthetic drugs, and then you don't know exactly what the next product has or what the next batch comes, and, and supposedly it's coming in bulk. So what's happening, it's it's passing through customs, passing through DEA, but it's so much, it's such a large quantity coming from China, that you can't stop that, and that's that's another issue. You don't know what you're getting, and that's you a just problem. don't
0: know what you're getting. Yeah, and Dr. Letter, oh, oh, I
1: was just going to say, with anything like this, where where folks don't know what they're getting, where there are poisoning incidences, it's I mean really rat poison. I, mm-hmm. I can't even right. right. I mean, uh, it's it's so important to go back to the basic tenets of harm reduction, where you know that really involves people being able to to have a conversation directly with a medical professional or, you know, a We're going to get into that. Exactly. Let me just come back to wrap sure.
0: Dr. Glass, so just so we understand what, that we're all talking about the same thing, when you say an over, like a K-2 overdose, right. that doesn't mean the person died, right? Or no, have but people it, died from it?
2: Yes, people have died from it, and that's the distinction with marijuana. Uh, there's really never been a recorded death from a marijuana overdose, so if you want to discuss it that way. So, yes, this is a much more deadly substance. And again, with these with the substance, um, the you know, the question is, you know, all these additives that they're putting in, Brodifacum, which is a long acting poison, the rat poison, can last for months. People are on vitamin K therapy because when you take this, it just binds to your cells and doesn't go away. So in order to counteract this you have to be on long term oral medicine called vitamin K. And that's really and
0: then any more and one second and then any other uh, any greater dangers for youth using it or, or teens? Like we've well, seen uh, teens like 13, 14 years old overdosing. What we're seeing
2: is cravings and also addiction because what happens is with these uh, types of substances, the effect they have on the receptors is really the distinction. THC has a, what we call a partial effect on the uh, CB1 receptor, but synthetic cannabinoids have a very quite different, it's a full-on agonist, as we would describe it. And so you get much more of an effect. It doesn't effect. sound good, I don't know no, what that is, but it doesn't bad. sound basically, good. Basically, <laughs> marijuana gives you a little bit of a <laughs> yeah.
3: nice high, it gets you really on nice. Off, and, and this and will have you, you
1: writhing like ab- a crazy person correct. on the floor, basically. And
3: 50 to 100 growth. times stronger.
0: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh, we're going to talk have about no that.
1: reaction at all, right? I think it's it's important though to distinguish between overdose, which does carry the general connotation of it being a, a, possible, fatal, right. a possible fatal situation or near fatal situation, and these are more poisoning situations. I mean, right. distinctly Absolutely. with rat poison, mm-hmm. um, but with other substances that are mixed in and cut into it as well. It's it's more an acute reaction or a poisoning situation within mm-hmm. somebody. It there are. Cases of right. people dying, but it's really rare. And that's not to downplay the other serious True. health risks. Yeah, but now they're but putting fentanyl in rare. the K2. They,
0: they say right. Right. about
3: 20 people have died from, from using the K2 in spice. That's Absolutely. a lot of people. But for if you in have, pr- I mean, it,
1: it, yeah, it's not to downplay it at all, just to distinguish though, because right. people do often hear overdose and they think mm-hmm. somebody's at risk died. of automatically yes. dying in the way that we see with other classes of drugs. Because right. so
2: people have it. mental illness are actually at higher risk that do use mm-hmm. antipsychotics, and we find that those are the people who have a higher risk of seizures. And those prolonged seizures can exactly. result in about death. that. So, it's, again, exactly. it's a subset of the population. Oh, my gosh. All right, we're gonna, <laughs> so, yeah. Why would you even want to yeah. take it in the first place?
0: That's yeah. my question. So, but we're going to yes. talk about that. We're going to talk about the demand uh, when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers.
1: Yeah, this is your boy, Rolling Stone P. And make sure y'all check out the
0: Street Soldiers with the beautiful Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about dangerous new street drugs. Why are some of them so deadly? Joining me for this conversation is former police lieutenant Henry Marrero. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Also joining us is Melissa Moore. She's the Deputy State Director for New York for the Drug Policy Alliance. Melissa, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Also with us is Dr. Robert Glatter. He's an emergency room doctor. Dr. Glatter, thank you so much Thanks for having you. us, Thanks, for being with us, and having. Uh, great to have you on the show. <laughs> Henry, in terms of the demand, yes. the uh, many law enforcement say no matter how many arrests are made, no matter how many seizures and press conferences we see with all the drugs out on the table and the bricks and the, all that, it can't stop what is happening is that true or false
3: well, what's happening is, is that we're not being educated, all right? We, we see that for a moment on the news. You see what, you know, we, we did a drug raid, everything's great, we got guns and drugs off the street, but you only got a small portion of that gun and drugs off the street. So what we need to do is educate our people, almost like a D.A.R.E. program going back to the old days and educating our, our youth in, in a way of letting them know, listen, this is not good for you. It looks very pretty, it's beautiful, it's vibrant, it looks great, but it's actually not for human consumption. And then I think education is the key. To letting everybody know what's going on in our communities, because I get again, that's a ten-second, uh, you know, uh, episode on, on on the news that tells you, hey, this right. is this is we did this for today, but then it's all over. You understand? So we need to once we implement the law as well too. We were talking about this before. Once we implement the law, we need to focus on that law and then actually keep going after that you know like focusing as, as on one, it.
0: as one piece of a bigger comprehensive pa- plan
3: or yeah yeah it's, it should be like all right so like if we're focused on something you know what i mean there's other avenues of escape so we have to do all of it we just can't say here's your money and then walk away from it we right. have to continue to, to follow up
0: everything that we do melissa what's different now about what's going on in terms of the demand
1: Well, I think, you know, a lot of it comes back to the fact that marijuana is prohibited in New York and in other parts of the country. Which is expected to, which
0: has changed some places and expected to change. Right.
1: It's it's shifting really rapidly. But in this moment, I think people are trying to navigate that. And you have folks who who are self-medicating, who are dealing with trauma or with psychological or physical pain and are trying to to escape that for a moment or or find a way to navigate it for themselves and so sometimes they're using these synthetic cannabinoids instead of marijuana in case they're subject to drug testing for example for social services or for other things where they're actually trying to follow the letter of the law and deal with the other things that they have going on in life right so it begs the question if if we know that a significant portion of the population are using more dangerous chemicals because of that, why are we to pass a drug test? To pass a drug test. What why irony are we is there, there in that situation? Exactly. So, what you know, when we see, when we know that people are having these acute responses when they're trying to sort of navigate the the sort of dangerous situation that we have put them in, that policies have put them in, that prohibition has put them in, it really begs the question as to what we're but doing. But you're talking when about on one
3: drugs. demographic of, of, of people. Like you know, somebody who's trying to get a job or whatever. We're right. not talking about the juvenile, you know, the the younger generation. The underage, the people which have been even if marijuana to is legal, the,
0: the even if marijuana is legal, the, the teens right. are not going to have access it, to it legally well, anyway. Think it comes right. back
1: to education, but doing so in a way that kind of goes beyond the DARE programs of old and really is responsive to educating kids about you know what are the harms, how do you how do you navigate the situation safely. That's something that drug policy crazy thing alliance to me, is there, actually, there is nothing to do the crazy thing doing, to me is, you know, is some of these are K too. Right, but some of this, right, right. the like the teens who
0: they'll go, Oh I I won't smoke a cigarette, that's bad for my lungs right. and I'm not gonna drink a you know a bright colored soda because right. it's got food colouring in it. They think nothing of getting a bag of this of K two mm-hmm. and smoking it.
2: Right, they don't see this unknown risk and they you know you know it's just it's something that's not really put out in public messaging enough. I think that's part of the problem is really getting that message out, not only through schools, but through public messaging. I've really yet to see any concerted effort nationally or even on the local or state level to really get the message out. And it really And to let people know what it is. Because they just keep saying synthetic marijuana (laughs) synthetic.
0: And but let me ask you this what do you see what do you see from you know, take us through your emergency room. What do you see happening with this? Like what
2: often when someone comes in either in sort of a panicked, anxious, or even a psychotic state, they're dissociated, they're not acting normally, Um, their eyes are darting, they're looking in an abnormal way, you kind of suspect that something's going on. Um, And often the, the next step in this could be a seizure, um, and that's that's something that commonly happens. So we're always ready for that, you know. And often these seizures don't respond to traditional to traditional medications that we give, and that's a concern. Oh. So this is where the deadly aspect of this mm-hmm. substance comes in. That we we're talking about. That the seizure may not be able to be terminated and stopped. So, in so other words, so the anti-seizure medications
0: right. that you would normally right. use are it, not effective.
2: They work, but not reliably, and so that can cause low oxygen levels and cause someone's um, basically brain to be deprived of oxygen yeah. and cause brain death. So this is where the danger uh, comes in with this medication. Um, sorry, uh, the substance rather. <laughs>
0: with it, with this, with it, with yeah. the K two. So in term, in terms of why there's not a public outcry about this, and it's just a couple of you know, minutes usually on the news. I wanted right. to
3: talk about that real quick. I'm sorry. Real quick uh, about politicians in, in general talking about he said that it's not enough people out there being aw- made aware of the situation. Well, that's right? why we
0: wanted to do the show. But
3: yeah. when uh, elected officials are, g- are running for office, they send a thousand mailers, mil- you know, thousands and thousands right. of mailers, right, because they want to be elected into office. Mm-hmm. So why don't they do for the next three years any certain issues or epidemics or or? Uh, topics you know that are very important to the community. Whether for the next three years, they send out mailers to the community, right, and advise them, and that's what he was talking about. You know, a letting people know a public yeah. awareness right. Right. That's what should be done with these elected officials, right. instead of sending out mailers about you know how great they are and what they've done for their communities. But, but
0: Melissa, yeah. in terms of the public, in, in terms of the public lack of public outrage about this, even though we, we hear about it, and people go, oh my God, that's crazy, and then it's on to the it's on to the next thing. Is it because the nature of the drug dealing has changed that it's not, you're like the K2 you're seeing it it's sold in. Oftentimes in regular stores, the other drugs are, you know, people can get on the black, you know, they can get on the on the uh, dark market. web. Yeah. On the internet. Yep.
1: I think there actually has been kind of a, a cycle of hysteria around K2 going back to 2014, 2015, when there were some really acute episodes in Brooklyn. And then it kind of it's like a summertime like story that kind of pops up. There's a lot of hysteria and then it sort of goes away. And part of that is because when people are are using especially folks who who are homeless or are unstably housed it's really visible. So when there's a specific incident like we saw in Brooklyn a couple of summers ago or this summer in New Haven. This summer you had right. 70 people
3: over, you know, right. overdose exactly. on
1: K2. There's a really acute situation. That it's really visible. There's a lot of like really good visuals for news media to run, but then there isn't follow up as you're saying and there's a real lack of letting people know and and uh, honestly a stigmatizing aspect within a lot of the coverage, you know. We Often hear terms like zombie, other really dehumanizing language about the people are, who are using. And so, if you're somebody who's using problematically, you, you recognize that you want to seek help. That stigmatizing language really pushes you to say, like, well, yeah, but somebody I who lives in a neighborhood, this, right? somebody
0: who lives in a neighborhood, like a woman, a woman we interviewed for one of our Fox Five mm-hmm. stories, where there's heavy street K2 dealing and heavy yeah. street heroin and fentanyl dealing, she calls it. She goes, "I'm living in the zombie zone." That was her language. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? I
1: think there's there's a real opportunity to you know going back to harm reduction to be able to provide supports for folks who are in that situation of using problematically right like we but what, know what kind of support we know what, what does real that look public like public health interventions right. where where you're able to meet folks where they're at bring them in provide you know some wraparound services stability support help folks get back on their feet kind of chart the course but Melissa that they want so what to does do. that
0: in Mott Haven the Bronx mm-hmm. in the 40 precinct which has the highest overdose rate in the city right. Where we have been working from we've been working for months doing a number of of specials and stories Mm -hmm. for Fox Five and for Hot Ninety Seven. Where how what does that look like? Because first it was let's give people needles, let's Mm -hmm. let's make needles available, clean needles, so they don't Uh, so they don't transmit the AIDS and HIV virus. Which has dropped the HIV rate. Which has dropped tremendously, and there's also medications now. People aren't, thank God, aren't dying the way at the the rate that they used to. However, there's now a black market for needles in the bodegas and the grocery Mm -hmm. stores in the neighborhood. There's needles all over the area, so Mm -hmm. much so that they've had to send in teams to come in so the kids would not step on them going into the playgrounds. They put safe disposal boxes, which the people who with addictions would rip, have ripped off the walls mm-hmm. to get at the needles inside. Yeah. So, so how speaks, is that working because it's it it's it's, a, it's traumatizing the community of people there who are working and just trying to raise their families. How is that how is that helping?
1: Right. I think it speaks to a need to Provide a lot more resources there, right? Like we know that but there's. What, been what a kind lot of, of resources? Exactly. They have treatment so,
0: centers, they have a lot of treatment centers mm-hmm. within a couple of block radius, mm-hmm. and there's still people shooting up
1: on the street. Right. So part of it is what model of treatment you're using. A lot of the abstinence based, sobriety only treatment models might work for some people, but they don't work for everybody. So harm reduction services, where it's not mandated, you're not kicked out of the program if you relapse or if you go back to using, it's just seen as like, okay, you had, you had a difficult day, let's try to work with you and figure this out. But building on the syringe exchange programs, which have led to a dramatic drop in HIV rates and hepatitis C and other right. things in the city. No, absolutely, that, time, that, that
0: benefit, but we're right. also in a different era now where heroin is so cheap.
1: We are, and we're also seeing record overdoses, right? right. Like this is the sixth year in a row of increased overdoses of all substances right. in New York City, and that's something that we really need to look at. And one of the models that's been the most successful in terms of just saving lives. If our goal, first and foremost, is to save people's lives when they're in these really precarious situations, it's a safer consumption space or overdose prevention center. All right, we're that's gonna people- we're gonna
0: t- we gotta take a short break. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna <laughs> come back to that, okay? Because I want to hear what what you say, yeah. you, what you think works. Because I'm talking about it from what I see, what I've witnessed on the streets, and what the people in the community are are, sure. are saying. So I, I'd love to hear more about that and we will. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back.
3: Yo, what up? This is Clarity, and you're listening to Street Soldiers with the one and only Lisa Evers on Hot 97. You dig?
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the dangerous new street drugs and why some of them turn deadly. With our panel, Henry Morero, he's a former police lieutenant. Great to have you. Thank you, Lisa. Also with us is Melissa Moore. She's the deputy state director for New York for the Drug Policy Alliance. Melissa, great to have you. Thanks, De- you oh, thank you. Also with us is Dr. Robert Gladder. He's an emergency room doctor. Dr. Gladder, great to have you with Thanks us. Thank again, you so Ms. much. Okay, um, Melissa, one of the proposals, I don't know if it's already in effect here in New York City, is this idea of these safe consumption centers. What exactly are those?
1: That's right. It's first and foremost a place where you save lives. We know that people are using – we see it all the time in fast food restaurant bathrooms, in parks, other public places. Just because we've told people and put a a law around using these substances, people are using for a lot of different reasons. And the best way to to meet folks where they're at to prevent more lives from being lost – we lost more than 1,400 people just last year in New York City. Right, more people than murder, than than car accidents accidents combined. And so there's – There has to be a way to save those lives. We know that naloxone works within an overdose. Which is the antidote, exactly. It it, the receptors that you were talking about earlier. Mm. It actually knocks opioids off of the person's receptor in their body. So you immediately reverse the overdose. You're able to save that person's life. And people can't recover if they're dead. This is something that consistently people. Who used to use drugs, who we work with, and, and who still currently do say really, really time and time again. And so, in those communities where you actually do have a lot of public use, you have syringes being discarded. In so, public basically, places, somebody somebody
0: who has a Schedule I illegal drug, mm-hmm. which is a Class A felony just for possession, can go into a space that the city is providing.
1: The city wouldn't be providing it, it would be either. That city's a,
0: contracting, but paying for it?
1: No, the city wouldn't put any money toward it whatsoever. Really? No, the city
0: allows no it, so mm-hmm. somebody can go in there and
1: actually shoot
0: up with illegal drugs. So it's, but who funds it's, it? It's, who funds, who funds,
1: it, right? funds who it? Who funds it? Private donors and philanthropists.
3: But the government implemented it. Isn't, huh. Doesn't Governor Cuomo, didn't he have a, he wanted to do safe, oh, safe houses? But De Blasio, De Blasio. Let
1: me just ask you,
0: what do you think about the concept just to begin with?
3: All right, f- first of all, your piece on the Mount Haven, uh, uh, you know, the needles in the park. That to me is is out of control because it's happening, uh, obviously, in our inner cities, right? So um, 5,000 needles in a park where children play is absolutely absurd we need to go back to the old community policing you instead of putting injection boxes in, and that's a that's a good thing as well you know i understand in that theory. you want to tr- in, in theory it is but how about cameras how about you know more police patrols all right because when the when the lights go We're down, say, when the sun up goes up down doing after
0: our story right
3: uh, well of course they're going to do it for a little while and then they're going to go away it's only a temporary fix it's a band-aid to a, to a bigger problem so that, that has to go back to the old school days. And now, you know, they put cameras everywhere else in the inner city for speeding and all these other things. How about putting them in the parks at night? If you see somebody out there, you're in the 4 row, go out there and then, you you know, cra- not crack down because you can't really crack down on it. You're not going to victimize already somebody who ha- has an addiction problem. You know what I mean? But at least you can get them some help. Take them somewhere, maybe to the hospital. Maybe they can get some, you know, help sure. for the moment. Dr. Gleil, yeah.
0: what, what about them? Is, is it true the opioid addiction success, uh, failure rate for reco- for not recovery, but f- uh, for a kick in the habit, so to speak, is like 20%, is 80%, 80% of people it's, can't it's it. It's at least
2: that high. And, you know, one of the new techniques that we're seeing in emergency departments is something called, and I'm sure you're familiar with, medication-assisted treatment. Absolutely. And it's been pioneered What does that throughout. mean? Basically, it's taking someone who is in withdrawal and giving them medicine, such as Subotex, Suboxone, to help get through that difficult time, but to having them follow up in a bridging clinic where they can then get seen by a nurse, a physician assistant, sometimes a doctor, to kind of help them through and try to get wean them off the drug.
3: It's equivalent um, to methadone, the right. heroin to methadone. Right, to methadone. It's the it's
2: thing. It's intervening. It's not taking, in other words, it's not kicking the addiction completely, but giving them something that helps them
0: you get addicted get to through, something else. You know, it's the,
1: the most d- evidence-based correct. policy in public health. In okay, brain. but and you're know, talking we're about We're doing the, that okay. now in emergency.
0: Guys with all right. due re- so, with all yeah. due respect you're talking about people with substance abuse issues as if they're in a normal environment right. as if they have established lives with routines and some people do and some do but less and, and some less don't. there's a mm-hmm. lot of people there's a population that they are they're add- addicts they're addicted and they go from getting free treat- free needles to shooting up to selling the needles they're getting to getting free treatment to buying drugs they can buy fentanyl they can buy I mean they can buy heroin which a lot of times has fentanyl mm. in it which right. we need to talk about and they can buy the K2 and it's all right out in the open two schools on a, another corner a kid's playground on this corner right. tons right. thousands so of kids living it out of the
1: open and and give but they do a they
0: g- go to these programs and then they're back out on the know, park bench then the needle box was the needle box was right. like a couple feet away
1: once they shoot up they're, they're not t- gonna t- they as one lady it. said to me she but goes they're not gonna get up and go oh yeah, yeah let I mean, me put this right. dispose of right. my needle so that's the thing with a safer consumption space is you bring that that use out of out well, of. once yeah, they get, you, once you get the them? high, where do they, they go? If what they stay where do they go? At, they stay inside. The they location. stay inside. Yeah, that's the model that's been used internationally. They're why don't in more we than just make the heroin cities. legal then, then and you, say you're come in and do in as co- co- much in inter- as you want? are putting it in inner cities, what Lisa. What I was going to say earlier is actually, you know, when you were talking about the scheduling of the drugs and the legality of this. In New York, we already have a Good Samaritan 911 law. Yes, we do, which is very important. Tell us about that. If you see somebody experiencing an overdose or even think that. That they might be you can call nine one one. even you, if you're with them right even, even if, if you guys were them, doing it together even exactly if you're using so that's together important even to if know. you weren't if you h- just walk by somebody on the street it doesn't matter no matter what this you don't have to give is. your name you don't have to talk to exactly the police. right you well you if you're you should stay with the person right until, until, help of arrives, course, until they help. always right um, but you can call 911. You will not be prosecuted. There's amnesty for you in that situation to be able to get help to people. That's an important And point. that's really important. We did that. It was a bipartisan bill that passed through the legislature in New York. You
0: guys were involved with that, right? We,
1: we were a part of that. Yeah. A lot of other yeah. advocacy groups were as well because we recognize this is something that's really important where you have people who either were using with folks or who saw somebody in that situation and walked away because they were worried about their own uh, Chance of being prosecuted or, or criminalized within that right. scenario, and so we said, no. It's a first and foremost, it's about saving saving lives, right. and it's also recognizing we're in a public health emergency right now, we, well that's that,
0: where regulation. That's exactly what it's called, a public yeah. health emergency. And what about m- that, Dr. I think
2: we are in a public health emergency. I think you're, you know, you're spot on, and I think that these safe consumption centers could be places for intervention, exactly. for crisis intervention, really to start MAT therapy, medication exactly. assisted treatment, to really intervene, get social workers, get therapists involved, get. Physicians, nurses, and I think we should take that opportunity and embrace it and really try to make that the place to really start the intervention. Totally, I would love to embrace all of that. I would love
3: to embrace every single thing you guys are saying, and I agree with you 100%, but I also believe that all these injection houses and everything is put in the inner cities where our kids are playing, where they don't have anywhere to go, but to those locations. So that's a bigger problem. How come we don't put it in a a rich community and and let them put a beautiful home up and then let everybody hang out in the back and shoot up? Yeah. I mean, let, let's let's get to the real real facts of this. Exactly. To the inner cities, sure this is a, this is you know. There's, there's yeah. So I understand what you're there. saying, and I love the fact that you're talking about all the support. But how come we're not actually still implementing everything you guys are talking about? You guys have connections. You guys know politicians. Let's get on the politicians. Let's move this thing forward. No, but so we could talk about Henry, it all day.
0: Point, to, Henry, mm-hmm. to Henry's point, yes, we, we know drug use is across every socioeconomic, right. racial, and ethnic group, gender-wise, all of that, right? It's all right. Everybody Everybody becomes affected. Obviously, people who have uh, lower economic options are going to be more effective adversely, but what Henry's saying, it's the black and Latino communities <sighs> in New York are the ones that are bearing the brunt of this, right. you know, people who are trying to uplift themselves and raise their families. Right. Why should they have to step over people, you know, that that have needles stuck in them when they're taking their kids to school or tiptoe not able to wear sandals in the summer. This Mm -hmm. whole neighborhood in the Bronx, the the women don't wear sandals because they don't want to get stuck by a needle.
2: Part of the issue is mental illness, really, that plays into this whole epidemic, opiate epidemic, is really not treating underlying mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that really plays to the public in a way that They understand it, but they haven't embraced it. And then recognizing that aspect of this epidemic is really one of the most important things we can do. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think it's really important, to your point, to understand that problematic use, like the situations that you end up seeing, doesn't come from the substance of the drug itself. Often it's a combination of something that's happened in somebody's life, extreme trauma, other things that they're dealing with in different ways. But where does ways, personal right?
0: responsibility come in? Because you have a lot of people that have had extreme traumas in their lives mm-hmm. that have gone on to become mm-hmm. extremely successful. Yeah. Where does personal, well, personal responsibility come I, into that? I think that? it's
1: all part of that arc, right? People who have been in that problematic scenario can come out of it and do d- amazing things with their life. I mean, we work with some of, the, like, honestly... Some of the most powerful and amazing people that I have the opportunity to work with right now are folks who would have been denigrated and completely shunned just a few years ago because of their drug use and you know to me that really speaks to the need to break down stigma and make sure that folks have a way to navigate out of that situation if if that's where they're at but you
3: also want to that person has to want to get out of that right. whole environment and, some and sometimes you can't like get, get, get out high. of the, and some people just like to get high and I think you can't true. get out of the environment either mm-hmm. sometimes you're in that environment and, and if you go outside that environment then the stigmatism you know Stigmatism comes into play, and all this other stuff, and people automatically push you away.
0: Yeah. Dr. So Glad- that's another issue. Exactly, Dr. Glenn, Glad- right. in, ter- in terms of the, f- the the physical addiction part of this, because right. we've we've and you've been on this show mm-hmm. in the past when we've uh, talked about the opioid epidemic. It's these these drugs are extremely addictive. It's very hard for people. So there's you know I I understand. Yes, we have to give people help and treat, give substance abusers the support systems that they need. But there's a lot of other people that are just angry that all of this is happening in their community. And like, where is their personal responsibility of that person? I mean, there's, there's, and there's a class, a category of people that basically go, they go into the the 30 day treatment for about 15 days. They come back out, they get their free needles. They sell some cans and bottles. They sell some of the other stuff they have. They, and the heroin is so cheap now for $5. They can get a, Get it back, Yeah, I think it comes. I mean, down where to do we s- draw that line medically? Like, when do they lose the, the ability to have free choice? Is what well, I'm, I'm saying. I think
2: when when they keep representing to us in the emergency room and in, in situations of, of acute intoxication of overdose, we have to really recognize that their support is just not adequate. And this is what I see on an ongoing basis: is that people do get through the rehab periods. They do well, but then it's when they're on their own without adequate support, social support family structure, support structure, like a structure. structure. Right? they need programs. they need a way. To you're also encouraging it when you
3: you're also encouraging it when you when you're handing out needles every single day and and you're doing you know safe houses. I'm just saying you're what also no, no, no what I'm saying no, no, no believed. what I'm can saying can is that once you give out clean needles to everybody and then in fifteen days when he feels better and he wants to go out and do a bag of heroin, you give him needles. He's going to go out and, and like she said, he's going to panhandle. He's going to do whatever he can to get the money to go get high. It's, it's, having, it's, it's having psychological
2: inter- support. It's having you know that therapy, that's that intervention, because that that's compulsion, super, that urges you to are is super expensive.
0: Really, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You're no, talking something about something very expensive. Let me ask you this real quick, real quick. Just it. another thing too. While we while we have. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in, terms of the, in terms of the overdosing, right. the is it true or false that once you come out of a treatment center and you're clean, that's when you are most vulnerable and your system that people have, over, have overdoses and die because their system is so clean and then they can't, if they relapse, that can be fatal. Is that well, true?
2: Partly true. I mean, they're vulnerable at any point. I mean, I think, again, it's, it goes back to having a structure, having support. Um, you, you know, if you are on a regimen where you're ready to embrace sobriety, and that you have the support and the structure to do it effectively, then it's possible. But again, it's not without that support. Um, Yes, you are at risk during that immediate period right after you become clean. Um, But uh, people are able to, you know, kind of power through it and resist it by learning techniques by learning ways to overcome these urges and some of that is you know through yoga meditation deep breathing all these different right. you know alternative th- and, and, some and, and, some and you can some talk about like this anything. but some people can't right. do it on their and that, own and, and, that's, and that's fine and dandy but there are yes and, and it helps right. is MAT is a
3: the just the exactly
2: yeah. all right, we're going to continue helps. talking
0: about this right. um, this is Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers we'll be right back um,
3: right. New, New York City is Miguel and you're tuning into the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers real people real issues and real pilot tricks only on Hot 90 set up.
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the dangerous new street drugs and why some of them have turned deadly. Joining me, Henry Marrero. He's a former police lieutenant. Henry, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Also with us is Melissa Moore. She's the Deputy State Director for New York for the Drug Policy Alliance. Melissa, great to have you with Thanks, us. Lisa. Thank you. Also with us is Dr. Robert Glatter. He's an emergency room doctor. Henry, in terms of the Thanks. way we're dealing with this drug situation, because I just look as a reporter from the, the news perspective of the number of deaths that we have, if those were people getting shot, we would be having live trucks and newscasts and stories and specials all the time. But here, when it comes to the drug thing, nobody seems as upset about it.
3: Well, you know, I have firsthand knowledge of of, of how bad the epidemic is with the, the heroin and the fentanyl mix and everything. My my brother passed away from using uh, heroin. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. So and, and 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 in the Bronx, okay. So he lived in the Bronx. The, the thing that the problem that he had was when you were talking about. Uh, giving them uh, summonses for maybe drinking a beer in public and the tickets two hundred dollars or you give them, You know, you know for marijuana another two hundred dollars So what happens is the fines start to build up all right and these guys can't pay right because they can't get a job right. Why mm-hmm. because they already have a record right and then once you expose that to your current employer or your prospective right. employer You can't move forward so my brother's problem was this he would get himself arrested He'd do the 45 days in jail for the money that he owed, and then he'd come back out, and where would he go? Right back to the same community that he had the problem in. So he became a, 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 a pro, 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 problematic person in that community. Right. So that is, that's, that's part of the problem there. So giving people a ticket for getting high or whatever is not the answer or, or criminalizing it because now you're stigmatizing the whole community. Right. And that's a problem, and I think uh, maybe one of the solutions is actually community policing with the with the, your own people in that community, making those phone calls. You know, the people that see everything happening every single day, they can make a phone call. Call the police. Listen, this is what's going on. Sometimes the police don't respond, they say, right? But you got to stay on top of it. So then you get a community activist group, and then people in those communities have to work together. I saw that when you did your story. There was a kid uh, raking up the needles, all right? So at least he's putting an effort into that community, and that's what everybody has to do if you want to stop it. Right. And that's, that's one of the ways. I'm not saying that's the only
0: way. Right, which was very nice. We the, wanted to show ways. that the people that were involved in the programs were actually trying to... Help it, too. And
3: one more thing. Uh, with all the abandoned housing in the city and in m- multiple communities, all right. instead of putting up, uh, you know, uh, leaving hundreds. them abandoned, no, e- e- even luxury, or just abandoned and just leaving them the way they are, how about all the money that the, the government wastes on, on silly projects? I don't, I c- couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but you know, maybe putting programs in and taking a building and making it a six-month uh, build-up community. To try to Where you build, can live in there. Where you can live in there, and also you build up from there. So once you're on your feet, you got a job and you Move forward, and somebody vouches for you to get that job, and you produce. Then you could go out and, and be a productive man to society there, like or productive with some of
0: society, a productive woman. Exactly, for the but youth, instead of, the, I
3: wouldn't people. want to leave the communities abandoned. And again, like no, you I don't said, think we should. and 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 then if but not, you put a brand new building in, it, in between right? two projects, and people are so, you know struggling there as well, and those people don't care because they're just going in to go to work. You know what I mean? So. We got to just open up those and doors.
2: Think, yeah, yeah, some of the hospital corporations, like HHC in New York, would invest money in, in this kind of an effort. And I think that would be something that would be worthwhile and really help expand this kind of you know. this Have model a facility. Have a residential yeah. facility. Yeah. W-
0: because the, the, that seems to be a big piece of of right. the instability too, is a lack, is that they their places, they sleep on a park bench, or they sleep in a doorway somewhere, yeah, or they sleep wherever, yeah. which is yeah. not, it, it's very sad for and upsetting to see right. another human being in that right. condition. You judge
2: a society and how they care for their citizens. I mean, that really comes, what it comes right. down to. And the to. most and that,
1: vulnerable right. citizens, right? Yeah. Like,
0: I wouldn't want right. my kid walking by with
3: somebody injecting themselves, and, and it's I don't think every, it's fair it, to anybody in those communities no. that have to go to work every day and work two or three jobs to just to make ends meet. And there's single parents out there that are struggling every single day, and you know they got to take the kid to school. You know It's easy to kick a kid out of the park when the sun goes down, but it's not that you know you can't take the heroin you addict have to off the street. Like, you
0: have to right. walk them to school. Let me you let know.
1: get in here for a moment, <clears throat> just going back to what you were saying about you know when your brother was incarcerated and, and didn't receive treatment, didn't receive care for the real health issues that he was grappling with. I mean, that's something that's an immediate right. opportunity within New York State. We know that when people come out of an incarcerated situation, they're 130 times more likely to die of an overdose in those first two weeks. A hundred and thirty? times. And Rhode Island has implemented an amazing system. In the last year alone, they dropped overdose rates by more than 60% by providing medication-assisted treatment mm. to people when they're incarcerated wh- who say, hey, I'm right. struggling with a substance use disorder. I want to get on buprenorphine right. or, or on methadone, and actually then be able to to come out when they're released in the community and have continuous care with a with a medical provider and be able to stay within that scenario. To and, have some and kind of, again, stability. to have some kind of support uh, framework and, and the, going exactly. on. It's like if, it if we don't invest on the sense. front end, it, right. then yeah. the and then community then it gets out of when control. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the yeah. uptick on
3: heroin also, um, you, you got to realize, too, there's older older generation of heroin addicts. And okay, they were, and that they were did, heroin addicts they, for years. They, they, they just do heroin. They're just used to doing their, their couple of bags a day or whatever right. it is to get by. Now it's being laced with fentanyl. So when they come out of incarceration and they get a brand new batch of heroin thinking that it's the old school heroin, but now it's mixed with fentanyl. That's the deadly combination. That's the uptick in those heroin overdoses. And the doctor can elaborate more on that. Exactly. But that that seems to be an issue as well. So
0: Dr. nobody. Gretter, what there's about no education with the, with the fentanyl because it, it, right. I, we've been told that most of the overdose deaths now right. there's there's a, an element of fentanyl involved.
2: There is, and fentanyl is so much more potent than morphine, a hundred times more potent. So just knowing that alone, and there's also derivatives that are fifteen thousand more times potent. Sometimes just getting the substance on your fingers, inhaling it, can even put you at risk for toxicity and overdose. Um, you know, the issue is. So people
0: should tell. We should definitely tell their kids if you see any kind of white powder at like all. Don't
3: touch it. Don't touch
2: it because you, you know
0: kids like to touch everything and. That's playing right. in, in the park, you playing
3: in a playground. Right. You know what I mean? That. That's yeah, yeah, it's
0: that, hard in the playground. We had the baby in the Bronx die in the bed with the, right. with, with the the drugs that were there from the dad. That's
3: right.
2: Right. Um, we've you know there are people who have overdosed and died from fentanyl derivatives of it. Tom Petty, I don't know. Uh, clearly early part of this year passed away prince as well that, you know, prince. prince was on it and demi Lovato with the opiate right? situation just recently, recently. Just, you know it's 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 in front of us we we see it on and you know the, we have to do something about this uh on on so many levels and the message is clear. I, I you know we have to act. This is an, a public health emergency. But when epidemic. you have
0: something like fentanyl, and and as a drug uh-huh. policy advocate, and you guys have done, uh, been on the vanguard of, of reforming the marijuana laws in uh, in New York State, and, and the progress that we've seen with that, but and also with the incarceration, the the uh, racially un, unbiased incarceration and, and arrests. But in, term, in terms of the fentanyl, when you have something that deadly, as you said, you can just touch it. We've had for, seen first responders, right. you know, EMTs and, and police officers. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, people just, they say, like you said, a couple couple of grams yeah. in, or Go grains, right in. and you can yeah, just... It's generally, seeing
1: through the skin, it won't have that sort of effect. But right, but you may not know it, and you're it, touching it, your it can, eyes, or touching your though. mouth, it or anything can, like that. Right. But on when on some, pulse, a substance
0: is that deadly, shouldn't the message, the first message, if we're trying to save lives, be just... Don't use it. Don't try it. You don't know what you're getting. They're mi- and they're mixing it apparently now with cocaine, with with everything, even with yeah, the K2. It's, it's, it's it's absolutely, at this
1: point is present within many different classes of drugs and so it's really important for people can you say that again melissa because yeah fentanyl is it's mixed into many different classes of drugs at this point so it's not just opioids it's not just heroin it is being found um, or rather people who have died of a fentanyl related overdose have also had stimulants in their system have also had mdma and other substances. and so what what's really important in this moment for your listeners to to understand is that of course, you know, just say no is one option, but we know that that's sometimes not realistic for all people. And so if you're in a situation where you're going to use it all, it's really important to, to deal with safety first and to take a harm reduction approach. There are test strips that can test for the presence of fentanyl. It's really important that people access those um, harm reduction agencies all across the city and all of the boroughs. Have them for free that they will give to people. You can test whatever is in the substance that you've that you have. Uh, and, I mean, not then, not to interrupt, but it, that's no. not
3: realistic. That's not in the real world. A, drug, a dope it's fiend same. is not going to go and say, "Let me get a test strip, make sure there's no fentanyl in no, here." No,
1: absolutely.
0: When they're
3: going to get high. Right. When oh, you're I'm fiending and you're and, and wait, hold on, Let
0: me When, you, when you're high and you're
3: fiending, city. though, no, I'm saying I'm if you if you need that shot, right? If you're going into your your seizures or whatever. You're not going to say to yourself, "Yeah, hold on, let me get a fentanyl test strip." That's why it's so, important
1: for people to have that that information and to have the test strips. Yeah, but Melissa, along what about what he said? I mean, he, Henry yeah.
0: Henry say, Henry saying, "I mean, that, that's the street reality, though." Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And th- there seems to be at times a gap between the, the- theoretical solution and how people really work. Like with the, like with the needles, a, a disposal box. Makes perfect sense. It's like we separate our plastic cups from our paper cups, or, or whatever. But in reality, somebody who is suffering with an addiction
1: yeah. and, uh, you know, and they're and it's totally high. They need to the fix right away. They're, they're not, not going to look I for a I would say everything that we support from Drug Policy Alliance is directly informed by people on the ground, by people within Vocal New York, within the Users Union, with folks that are grappling with this very situation themselves and with people that they love. So we're we're not. You don't think this is some kind of like think tank type of not thing? Not at all. No, everything that we do, we're really accountable to those folks. I mean, that's ultimately like who I work for, who right. I consider to be uh, the people that I'm accountable to. That you're trying to, to help. Exactly. And trying not to help. not trying to, to help, but directly accountable I'm to. accountable It's to. their lives. It's how they're going to be able to navigate the space in the world. And so we often go to them and say, hey, what would actually be helpful? What would be, what would be better? What, what matters in the community, both to community members and to people who uh, are formerly All right, well, I, we need to talk or, to, to some of those
0: community members that Absolutely. support. Literally. there because I haven't been able to find any yet Dr. Glader in terms of the fentanyl, what does it do basically why is so why is it so, de- it, is it so deadly like does it yeah. why does it kill you like why it, can it kill you like right away?
2: It suppresses your breathing so basically oh. that in, in itself you die of high, low oxygen your brain does, is deprived of oxygen and you stop breathing and it happens within minutes if, if it's it, or even under under a minute if it, the dose is high enough. Um, so, you know, this is so important that people, if they're using, that they have the save shot, uh, Narcan, right. Naloxone. They have to have this. And I'm not endorsing the use of the drug in any way, but they have to have this available because that can save their life. Now, with Don't th- use alone. Absolutely. And with fentanyl, uh, the issue is that, you know, sometimes we have to use incredible amounts of Narcan or Naloxone to help reverse this overdose. But it, we know that when the dose escalates, we know that they're using fentanyl for sure because normally with some heroin we can reverse it with like a a very small amount but when escalating amounts are used we know it's fentanyl and sometimes they have to be on drips or be even put on be intubated a breathing tube and be put on a respirator because they can't breathe effectively when they're overdosed and the law law enforcement
3: community can't combat that you know can't help with that with with you know injecting somebody with with the drip and all that Um, What law enforcement or or what the emergency responders need, like when when in my community, in my community, we carry Narcan. We're probably one of the only police departments that carry Narcan, right? Surrounding communities don't. So what's happening is... The heroin addicts are figuring that out, and they'll go into our community and they shoot up over there because if they overdose, they know that the first responder, the police officer, has a shot of Narcan. It can
0: get and can get you out of it, so that's bad. But uh, I think that goes to show. But this is this comes back to message. But this also comes back to what is the what is the message Mm -hmm. that comes comes back to that, you know. And My I thing about, you know,
3: was... d- shooting together and all that stuff, I understand what, she's, what what they're trying to say. I understand what they're saying. The in, in, in reality, a dope fiend's a dope fiend. He's out on his own. Sometimes they don't hang out with anybody. They're on their own. So they're not going to walk around with Narcan in their pocket. And, and I understand right. that. And, that's the reality, and right? who's, who's right. providing the Narcan? Are you providing the Narcan? Or do they have to pay for the Narcan? That's another issue because you can't afford Narcan. It's, it's very expensive.
1: Naloxone is available absolutely for free, free at well, every well, harm no, reduction no, no, agency in good. New York City. I, I just want to make sure yeah, folks okay. know that you can walk in the door, Excellent. any harm reduction agency, Google it. You can go get Narcan. You can get trained on how to use it. Even if, mm-hmm. if you don't use if you just know people in your, in community, your community might be right. having an overdose. It's super important. Every single person should have that in the way that we have CPR kits in places, all of that. And that kind of folks thing. Folks should just be trained. Absolutely. Dr.
0: Glatter, in terms of the um, I- in terms of coming back from an Overdose? Do you have suffer permanent damage after that? You, you're talking about no oxygen, so if your brain right. is without oxygen, doesn't that affect your mental capability? It or? can
2: if for a long. If if it lasts long enough, you certainly can have brain damage that's it's everlasting. Um, you have a, we call anoxic brain damage, lack of oxygen. But in, in in the case of where someone's overdosed acutely and you give them Narcan and it works, they can recover. Um, they have to be observed for a period of time at least one to two hours. And then that's when the intervention should start, the medication-assisted therapy, the intervention, the social service aspect to everything, to try to capture that person. And, and, and again, the reality is we may not, but we have to at least try. And I think that's really, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's, that's, that's the, 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 the no, problem. It's the problem is that
3: it's an epidemic, and it's not a disease, and it takes the government longer to react when it's an epidemic because right. it goes away for a moment. But what happens, it doesn't go away, it goes underground. Mm-hmm. Just like the crack era. We were talking about that in the back. Um, basically, it, it's it's still very very popular in, in, in certain communities, and nobody talks about it because it's already been put in the back burner. So they've moved on now. Now we got K two, we got spice, and we got fentanyl. So that's the new epidemic. If it was a disease, they'd be reacting a lot faster to try to combat that. And, and that's plus what we need. it's not needed. as
0: visible because the dealing is being done. You know, they text message the right. connect. They meet somebody somewhere. Right. They have a messenger. They have. You know all kinds of different ways right. to get it without without having people Absolutely. position right. retail style. To I mean, although you, the, right. to
1: your point, I mean the, the heroin crisis that we experienced in New York City in the 70s mm-hmm. never went away. That's right.
3: Right. right. It That's certain, what I was talking right? about. The old. Heads. Right. And exactly. some of those people that were and right. you could
0: live, they would live for years, Absolutely. being but being addicted were, to my heroin. My brother went and from the
3: now, 80s to the 90s mm-hmm. to till death. Yeah. So, yeah, th- there's yeah. some 30-year veterans out there that, that were just right. regular heroin users, and they'd get their fix, and now they're doing fentanyl. So and, and there and is, it is it no was fix there. There
1: also a, a okay. tremendous amount of death in that time. That, and, mm-hmm. and the, the response was not to help people out. It was punitive. It was lock people up, throw away the key. Forget criminalize it, communities, criminalize the communities, stigmatize the communities, correct. which doesn't do any good. I mean, we're, we're living not. out the results of that. No, now. totally. And
0: <laughs> it's and, and obviously, there's 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 so many elements to this issue but, and just so many uh, different aspects of it. But I want to thank all of you for being here for this episode of Street Soldiers to help us at least try to unpack it a little bit and break it down and get an understanding and a grasp of it. And thank you all so very much for being with you, us. Lisa. We appreciate it. Thank Henry you, Marrero, great to have you with us. You so Melissa much. Moore, thank you uh, so, thank so, you, so, so much. And Dr. Robert Gladder thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us and i'm lisa evers your host remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon let's push for peace